0: On this episode of Geek 4, I'm joined by Liz Harmer. Liz is an award-winning Canadian writer living in California. Her essays, stories, and poetry are widely published. Her first novel, The Amateurs, was called a near-perfect debut novel by Quill & Quire. Her next novel, Strange Loops, will be released on January 31st with Not Vintage Canada, and it's available for pre-order now wherever fine books are sold. As a writer, and as a human being, she's smart, witty, and thoroughly engaging. We talk about Liz's long-lasting love of the music of Fiona Apple, and what Apple's five albums, title, When the Pawn, Extraordinary Machine, The Idler Wheel, and Fetch the Bull Cutters, have meant to her. The conversation goes in some fascinating directions, all thanks to Liz, about art and music, about women's art, and about mental health. I loved getting this glimpse Into Liz's creative process and the role music plays in that. For those of you in the greater Toronto area, Liz will be at Flying Books in Toronto on February 2nd from 6.30 until 8.30 as part of the launch of Strange Loops. I'll be there and would love to see you. She'll be other places as well and I will link to her events in the show notes for this episode. Enjoy. This is Geek4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce, everyone likes something but what are you a geek for liz welcome to geek 4 thank you for being here
1: thank you for having me my pleasure
0: okay so we're going to talk about your love of fiona apple and (laughs) i was wondering could you tell me where this begins
1: oh it begins in the 1990s um as it does for every every fiona apple fan probably um and uh i want to say as a caveat that uh I felt really nervous when I realized I was going to be talking about, uh, being a fan of anything because I don't feel like I I was like racking my brain. Like, I don't know if I am a fan, like a super fan of anything or like a diehard fan of anything. Um, however, then I remembered that I had named my eldest daughter, Fiona, partly because of Fiona Apple. And, um, also that my email signature has like a quote from a Fiona Apple song, and that uh i am one of the top one percent of spotify fiona apple listeners every year so i don't know but i think i might be a fiona apple fan
0: that's more than just buying the shirt that's that's a commitment (laughs) that's a level of commitment that i don't think i have for anything i've never named anything after something i love so that's that's pretty remarkable yeah well it's a nice yeah well it's a beautiful name um so what drew you to Fiona Apple?
1: I mean, it's hard to say because she said five albums out. I think the first album probably came out. Uh, I don't know the dates because this is not the kind of fan that I am, but I think I'm going to say like 97, 98, something like that. When um, that song criminal came out that everybody um, was scandalized by and obsessed with. And I think is her most famous song. And she was, I think uh, 19 or 20 when she wrote uh, that album and Like it is, it stands up to like, I mean, if you listen to it, it's her voice, her lyrics, all the stuff that I love about her now is there, um, in that album that she made as a teenager. And so at the time there were certain songs on that album. I was going through a a major, um, I'm a few years younger than her, I think. But, um, when I was a teenager and I was encountering those songs, um, I connected with them because I was also a an extremely intense girl going through a mental health crisis which I think she's gone through quite a few um sort of mental health crises um she was so smart and so so gifted and talented and also very intense and there was something in her um combination of her intelligence and giftedness with um a total refusal to be cool like she's just all feeling like all intensity and um I would say that's probably true of me as well and so just to see myself kind of um you know it's nice to see yourself reflected especially when you're a teen there's a song on that album called sullen girl and I just used to like think about that song all the time um yeah, it's a beautiful album. Like it's it's deep and, and very impressive, uh, especially for her age. It's not my favorite of her albums, but I guess that's how I I came to encounter her. It was one of the only CDs that I owned. I didn't own a lot of CDs. But yeah.
0: It's amazing. And especially in those teenage years, those are so influential for kind of solidifying tastes and kind of breaking with, you know, maybe the things that our parents gave us. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that like you you were drawn to her particularly uh at that time um so what is your favorite album if you were to pick one
1: um I know uh I don't so I'm not a person who believes in favorites in a certain sense because um, especially it's almost like choosing a favorite child
0: (laughs) Um, yes and parents never do that
1: no we don't do that (laughs) um I just I'm not I'm not good at choosing favorites because there's um many things that I love in 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 all the albums but I would say that the the ones that were most deeply important to me
0: mm.
1: are the middle three so I think there's five altogether um her second album has some songs on it that I'm I'm still think about and listen to all the time um and then the extraordinary machine and uh, the one with a really long title that starts out the idler wheel. Those two, I think, are the most important to me. Um, and I think also the most uh, beautiful and kind of breathtaking in terms of, um, yeah, just in terms of the music and the lyrics.
0: As a writer yourself and a very gifted, talented writer, if I may say so. Thank you. Is there influence from Fiona Apple, like in, in her expression, in the way that she She has this really interesting ability, and I don't know her body of work as well as you do, um, but I do know it. Mm -hmm. She has this ability to express something very vulnerable in a really profound and welcoming way, opening way, uh, Mm -hmm. that's not standoffish, whatever. Do you... Are you influenced by that in the way you approach writing?
1: Yeah. So I actually... um, When I think about other... So I, I like to watch obviously music is really important to me generally. And I like to watch music documentaries um, often because I find that watching other artists process and the way that they think about their work, very moving and also very useful. Um, like for example, I got really into that Beatles documentary that six hour or even longer, maybe nine hour documentary that came out with Disney last year. And what I find So I don't think that there's a lot of, except that I do write, you know, bad poetry quite a bit. Um, That might be the only influence that her work has on my work. I think that in terms of her process and her attitude toward her art, that's where the influence is. So for one thing, as you said, she's like devoted to vulnerability and devoted Mm -hmm. to um, being open in in a way that it seems like at times has done her some harm that kind of desire to be open, vulnerable, uh, look deeply at stuff that hurts. I feel very inspired by that. And then the other Mm -hmm. thing that I find really inspiring about her, two other things about her process. And one of them is that she is um, very certain when she, when she like, she's certain that her work is good. So she seems like very vulnerable and like kind of insecure in other ways, (laughs) but she like, she knows what she's good at and she knows that she's good at making her music. And then the third thing is that she, um, has like a very bad relationship with career and like really antagonistic relationship to the business and really wants to reject all the stuff that comes along with success while also wanting to make great art, which I think, um, is very complicated for a lot of writers. And, um, you know, because you have to constantly be putting yourself out there hoping that people will read you. But at the same time, um, you can't get so caught up in that because your art, the kind of art that you're trying to make will lose. Um, And so to me, like an amb- she has like an ambition to make great art. And that's not the same thing as having an ambition to be great or to be seen as great. And um, I find that extremely useful as well. And one more thing, (laughs) she also (laughs) she also is very interested in um, letting things take the time they need to. So she'll take like, you know, sometimes it seems like she took a decade maybe between albums, like she'll just like for a long time, not write anything until she's ready and and doesn't put doesn't put timelines on that. So she's very risk taking.
0: It's kind of counterintuitive to the business side of of the entertainment art business, but I mean one that seems so necessary the artists I know who are almost obsessively producing inevitably hit a wall like that they're just trying to produce um and i I have always admired I you know i I think I did it in my own academic work and uh, I've been writing a novel for 30 years. So, you know, <laughs> that idea, like, you know, it, things can take time um, and that's probably good. And we we don't let things take time anymore. Uh, it's such a fast paced world.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's like an, another way of doing this, which is like the Je- Jesse Ball method. He's a, another writer. I don't know if you know him. Um, apparently he doesn't write at all for a whole year. And then he sits down and writes an entire novel in a week. And then oh. just, like. I hate of- him. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I wish I wish I could do that. <laughs> I mean, he kind of allows himself to have uh, long periods of just doing nothing. And I think Fiona Apple does that too. I'm not mm. so good at doing nothing. Um, I'd like to be better at that.
0: You can just schedule nothing into your, into your <laughs> time. I, I'm kind of fascinated by your statement earlier about being interested in music documentaries and how important music is to you. As and the documentaries as a way to like understand other people's creative process. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about her creative process other than the taking a long period of time?
1: Well, I know that she was a kind of a child prodigy. Um, I think she started writing songs on the piano, and she was classically trained pianist. And she started writing uh, songs when she was like maybe eight. And I know that her relation, her emotional relationship to her work, is that. She feels driven to write a song when she's feeling an intense emotion, mm-hmm. um, when she's dealing with something uh, really intense. And I know that she's very into like, um, like in this last album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which is not on my list of top, you know, favorite albums of the five, but um, but it is like, you know, exceptionally, ex- an exceptional album. It's the one that came out um, during the pandemic uh, lockdown. I know that she was using like she was recording in her home a lot and she had um kind of she was using different kinds of percussion and she had her dogs on some of the tracks and I think she collaborates with other artists a lot um but I think in that album especially she was working on and I, I don't want to like I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know a hundred percent if I'm if this is just lore that I've picked up or yeah, if just make it heard. up it, okay you're a fiction <laughs> writer make it up oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um I may be getting this wrong, but I think I think what she was doing was trying to be um, she was trying to allow herself to sound a little bit like messier and invite in kind of some of that intensity into her voice and have a little less polish in the work. Um, So I don't know. I think I think she I know that she writes albums like she doesn't like to write. um, She doesn't like it when the. um, when the man gets involved and tries to tell her how to write an album. (laughs) No one likes that. No one likes the man. No. Um, Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if she writes um, tunes first or lyrics first, but uh, she did say about fetch the bolt cutters that um, the line comes from a, a TV show where Jillian. I don't know what the show is called. It's a detective series where Jillian Anderson says, fetch the bolt cutters to like, um, to save somebody from who's being held prisoner.
0: Hmm. And
1: so she took that phrase from a TV show and then, and then wrote the song afterwards and like, was like, this is my title. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting.
0: I like that. I like that. I'm curious about that kind of long journey with music. You said music's really important to you. And I don't think I realized how important music was until quite recently. And Mm -hmm. You know, songs that had some significance at a certain point in my life have taken on new mm-hmm. meanings or I can't even listen to them. There was an incident, I will vague this up as much as is humanly possible, where I was in a shopper's drug mart and a song that absolutely should not be on a Muzak store thing came on that was on a on a playlist someone gave me and I almost had a heart attack like my heart almost stopped beating because I was like the intensity of the emotions feeling that while I was looking for face cream um, was not a good combination but I'm curious about how music kind of weaves its way into your life
1: for one thing it's nice to have uh, an art form that you can love as only as a fan and not as a protect practitioner, mm-hmm. I think. And I love to sing, and I I love to sing as a kid. I used to. I mean, I was. My favorite Disney movie was The Little Mermaid, and I I knew all the songs off by heart, and I used to sing. um I I know you know I used to sing part of Your World. Sometimes I think once I notoriously started singing that during a prayer, like a dinner time prayer, <laughs> at like a family event. Awesome. Um, I got really into the songs from um, oh shoot. What's the. Uh, the song sunrise sunset. Um, if I was a rich man, you know that. Fiddle on the roof. Yeah. I got really into those songs. So I would sing sunrise sunset. <laughs> um, my mm-hmm. mom liked to play piano. My mom was in a choir and, you know, church is so much singing and and even like to me, a great loss of not going to church anymore is, um, you know, losing the chance to sing. But I also, um, I I went through a very intense Leonard Cohen phase, where um, you know he was who I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be Leonard Cohen when I grew up. When I was like you know nineteen, mm-hmm. and I mean, who doesn't?
0: Oh, Liz, <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, we're we're kindred spirits now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um.
1: There was an album by Tragically Hip that. Um, when I was, I was hospitalized when I was a teenager and, um, for a, for a mental health thing. And, um, I fell in love with one of my fellow patients and he was obsessed with the lyrics of Bob Cajun and would like, uh, um, you know, Bob Cajun and like, even all those songs actually on that album. And, um, that's an album that if I hear without warning, it'll be like, really bring me back to that time. I used to play, my dad had a ton of records, but most of them were classical and I didn't want to listen to them. Most of them are Bach actually. Um, and so after church, I would always play Abbey Road. And so like, there were just, there are just like albums in my life that are so significant. Um, they're just like emotional touchstones. And, um, you know, when I moved to California, the album I was listening to all the time was Joni Mitchell's Blue, because mm-hmm. it was like all these songs about a Canadian being in California. Um. I don't know. I don't know why it feels so important to me. I mean, all art feels really important to me, mm-hmm. um, but there's something, I guess, about the relationship between music and writing that is uh, useful to me emotionally, and I guess on the level of uh, of poetry too, mm. and expression. When
0: you're working on a new piece, do you come up with the playlist while you're writing? Um, is this too I, personal? Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. I actually have a playlist for strange loops. Um, I have, it's called, I think it's just strange loops. And I had chosen a whole bunch of songs that, I, that gave me the mood of the book. So I strange loops is a, dom- um, it's a domestic tra- It's a sex tragedy. It's a, it's a tragedy of desire. Is there
0: any other kind?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like a, it's a romantic, um, doomed romance kind of book um but uh I basically have like the entire Romeo and Juliet soundtrack on that um <laughs> I have uh you know, a variety of other songs that conjure that kind of mood of like despondent romance and like this isn't gonna end well, but I'm gonna do it anyway kind of um, feeling. So yeah, I do I mean I I guess I sometimes do there's mm-hmm. certain' there's certain music that will not be conducive to certain kinds of work for sure. Mm-hmm yeah <laughs> actually i'm,
0: I'm really yeah. tempted to ask you to share the spotify playlist with me when i read it because i have oh, read well. the book so i
1: may i may allow you to listen to it we'll see i'm gonna really, look I've, at this embarrassing playlist
0: <laughs> really really appreciate that yeah no it's funny because like i'm taking this writing course right now actually and um i find music is is distracting because i get into the music more and i can't separate the lyrics and stuff but i listening before i write is very helpful um to get kind of the feeling of things but i have a hard time listening to the music while i'm working
1: oh that's interesting
0: because lyrics kind of move me like there's a couple lines in in that bob cajun song that i will not say because i don't want you to break down crying um that's just like (laughs) shock me how good they are and i was somebody who kind of came to the hip late um because they they had this reputation of like bar band like kind of bros like them i didn't really dig it and then i was like reading the lyrics and going holy shit this is like he, he actually he's he's a really good poet um
1: yeah the lyrics are pretty incredible
0: yeah and, and Cohen, I mean, I was recently in Montreal, and it was everything in me not to, like, wander the two and a half kilometers from my hotel to Leonard Cohen's uh, resting place. Uh, I just, I didn't have time, but I so wanted to.
1: Well, and he lived out his, uh, many of his last days at Mount Baldy, which is, mm-hmm. like, uh, really close to me here. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's in, uh, it's half an hour from here. Oh. The monastery where he lived for, I want to say, six or seven years.
0: Mm-hmm um i i got into cohen in university um i had a there was a guy who lived on my floor who played uh the the future album way too loud um mm-hmm. constantly but i kind of was like oh this is interesting and i so i bought the whole back catalog and kind of immersed myself in cohen and by that point like he was kind of you know that was ninety eight ninety six, something like that. And I didn't think I'd ever get a chance to see him live. And then his manager stole all his money. And the first tour was the, that, that was the most spiritual experience. It's interesting. You said the thing about church and singing, there's no other place we go where singing is expected and part of the engagement like church. Um, it's this thing that just people don't go and sing. I mean, maybe people join a choir, but it's very particular.
1: Yeah, the, um, I was just, as you were saying that about the, about seeing Leonard Cohen, um, there's a, there's a YouTube, there's a video of Fiona Apple singing, um, the whole of the moon, which is a cover of a water boys song that I didn't know before. And you can see how in her performance, she just like enters into this like complete vulnerability. And that's the kind of, um, I guess that's, what's moving to me about, about music and about her specifically is that she just, um, she just produces this this emotional this feeling of her being there and being real um that is very moving to behold you know it's just it is a spiritual thing mm. to see someone really be present with um with art and with feeling
0: it's something that's so rare i've i mean i must admit i have noticed i noticed it more in the pandemic mm-hmm. whenever people would meet which admittedly was quite rare um there seemed to be an increased vulnerability. How are you doing? Oh, not well. Like, And I and I kind of embrace it. I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to, you know, this is terrible. This is the worst thing. Um, I feel like as everything's kind of normalizing, we're kind of losing that, that vulnerability. Um, we're going back to the, you know, trite. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. You know, right. that doesn't mean anything. And it's kind of shocking when you say now, well, eh, things are hard. Like, yeah you and i have, have have this very unique relationship um where we just kind of check in on each other how are you doing christmas was hard christmas was really hard this year uh you know the first christmas kind of alone sorting out new traditions sorting out like and then you know separated from 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 family and kind of another personal thing and yeah. People were surprised when I would say it's actually hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, you were one of the people I could be honest with. Mm-hmm. So thank you <laughs> for, for whatever that's worth. Um, because people are kind of going back to that. Reserved. Mm-hmm. We don't really share our feelings.
1: Yeah. Well, I've never been accused of um, being reserved about my, <laughs> about my feelings or. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess what's interesting is that, uh, sometimes when you're, when you're willing and open to being vulnerable in a public way, people weirdly perceive that as a strength Mm. and they almost perceive it as an invulnerability because in a certain way, it means like you're willing, you're willing to let it show, you know, what other people don't want to let show. And I do, I actually do think that is, um, the deep function of art. Like I think that, um it's very hard in, for most people in their everyday lives to have, you know, real intimate encounters with each other. Um, I have been, I have been often the person that people turn to when they're doing badly. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you came into my life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it, it was hard for me to reach out to other people and and when I needed help because um, yeah, it's interesting to think about.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Is there a Fiona Apple song that like you go back to now that hits differently?
1: Um I don't know about hits differently, but I have I do have like a, a handful of songs that I listen to, you know, over and over. Um one song that I've loved since I want to say the when the when the pawn the second album I think came out probably 2000, I want to say. Um there's a song on that album called I Know. I think it's the last song and it's a very sad um beautiful song and I still listen to that one quite quite a lot. Um but there are songs there are songs to me that are kind of um I mean a lot of the songs are about heartbreak or frustration in relationship or feeling angry with a man um which I find useful at certain points in my life. <laughs> um i'll
0: let it out my laughter (laughs)
1: um but there are other songs like um that uh, resonate with me on the level of the kind of person that i want to be so there's a song uh the title song from extraordinary machine is just called extraordinary machine and it's Uh like um be kind to me or treat me mean i'll make the most of it i'm an extraordinary machine um which feels to me like the way that i want to be and the way that i am and how i want to live um, and there are other songs like that, where it's like, um, there's a song called a uh, better version of me where it's just like, here it comes a better version of me. Like no matter what happens to me, I'll make something of it and I'll become better because of mm-hmm. whatever it is. And there's like, that's the kind of invulnerability part of the vulnerability, which is that if you're willing to be open and to let things hurt you, um, you're also able to learn and to grow, um, and, and become, and even make, make something out of it, make something beautiful out of it. Um, and so those kinds of songs, um, you know, there's another one daredevil, which is like, um, I don't know. There's just songs that have to do with the kind of person that she is, um, which resonate with me because they also feel like the kind of person that I, that I am or, or would wish to be. Um, and so those songs feel almost like little um, personal anthems or something. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah. I know the song I know from when the pond, which is, I think it's in my top favorite songs. It's just such a breathtaking song. It's kind of like describing loving someone and, and the sort of unsaid thing is like, I know you love me too, even if you won't tell me, or even if you won't be there. Um and it's just uh, you know, that's one of the love songs that I really cherish in the um in the whole corpus, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now I I don't know. I just grabbed at some of the songs. I don't know if that was a very complete list, but
0: you just grabbed them fine. They <laughs> <You> sound perfect. <laughs> are you up for some quick back and forth, quick question and answer stuff? I'll try. What was the last great thing you read?
1: I read so many great things. You do. I would say, like in terms of great, in terms of like one of my favorite books of all time that I just recently read. Um, a year ago, I read uh, Kundera's *The Unbearable Lightness of Being*, mm. and I—it's in my top five most uh, moving experiences of literature. Um, to the point where I was going to tattoo a phrase on myself and the ta- and the tattoo wouldn't make any sense because this the phrase was something like um for now she wanted to be with her animal for a while or something like that and it was like this is, <laughs> this is meaningless <laughs> but like in the in the context of the book it was very beautiful to me so yeah that that's my last great read
0: is there something that people assume you'd be really into but for whatever reason you're just not a fan of
1: huh well let me ask you what do you assume i'm really into Oh.
0: Liz, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I I can't I can't begin to know what people assume I'm into. Um but I think that uh people might not assume I'm as open to things as I am, like as open to trying things as I am. Um mm-hmm. I I can say a few things people might assume I'm into that I'm not. Like I'm not really um I'm not like a food snob. Um yeah, I'm not into Star Wars, but people probably would expect that.
0: <laughs> so. I think people just generally assume everyone's into Star Wars now. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was interviewing somebody recently, and she was talking about Star Wars, and she was telling me about the new shows. I'm like, I didn't even know those were a thing. Like, I've I've kind of left that behind. So, yeah. Anyways, I anyway.
1: have. I think I have some kind of chip missing where I just don't get Star Wars. Like, I just don't mm. get it. Oh, that's fair
0: i realized um i i was very big into it when i was younger and then the prequels happened and i was like i don't like this very much and then i saw the like the last one of the last movies with my niece who was like 11 at the time and she just loved it and i was kind of like oh it's for her like i get it okay it's not for me anymore that's fine let it go as, I feel like
1: I like the last jedi and almost, almost no star wars fans like the last jedi so there's something there's something there
0: i liked that one too <laughs> like, oh you're changing the narrative where it actually yeah. opens it up and yeah no I, yeah. It, yeah it's interesting yeah. i was talking to somebody about the, the kind of the narrative things and and that was mm-hmm. that was interesting but yeah if i never if i never see another star wars thing i think i'm okay don't, be careful what you say i don't know <laughs> 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 totally ruined my rep here Um, (laughs) you're trapped on a desert island and you can only bring one Fiona Apple CD and one book. What are you bringing?
1: Oh my God. Uh,
0: oh, we play for high stakes here.
1: Okay. I would take the idler wheel CD. I think. Um, and I would take. Hmm. I think I would take Mrs. Dalloway.
0: Good choice. Mrs. Dalloway is one of the greatest things I've ever read. I don't think anybody captured the way the brain works quite yeah. like Wolf in that book.
1: Yeah, I partly dropped out of my PhD because of that book to become oh, a writer.
0: Ex- excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I dropped out of my PhD. Uh, <laughs> um, What was the first thing that you really liked as a kid?
1: Hmm. Uh, the first TV show that I remember loving was Astro Boy. <gasps> Astro Boy and She-Ra were my favorite TV shows when I was like five.
0: Okay.
1: Um, And I already mentioned The Little Mermaid, which was really mm-hmm. important to me. Um, and I loved playing board games all the time. And I played... I could never get enough people to play board games with me. My favorites were like really obnoxious ones like risk that would take all day. So when I became a babysitter, then I had all these kids play with me and that was the best.
0: That sounds awesome. (laughs) All right. The new novel, strange loops comes out the end of the month.
1: Yes, January 31st, I do believe.
0: All right. And you're going to be at various places launching it. Yes. Where can people find out where they can see you?
1: I'm trying to update my website with events as they come up. So I have uh, events coming up in Toronto, Hamilton, Riverside, California, Winnipeg. And then there are a few other things in the works. Oh, and Windsor also, Windsor, Ontario.
0: I will link to your website in the show notes so people can go there. I will be at the event in Toronto. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you in person. Um, Where can people find you on social media and support you that way?
1: Pretty easy to find. My Twitter is at Liz Harmer and my Instagram is at Harmer Liz. So
0: we like simple here at geek. Four. So I will link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time. This was really a lot of fun.
1: Thank you. It's great to talk to you.
0: Yeah. I, we have more conversations to have, um, but off, off air, off air. Indeed. Thank you for joining me on geek four. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at geek four pod. Or me on Twitter at MWBoice. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the Subscribe button and consider leaving a 5 star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.